WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 67, all about... You got this. I forgot the name of the movie. Take it slow. Hello, and welcome to episode 67, all about Fellowship of the Ring, theatrical edition, part one, being the 67th part of That's What I'm Talking About. Lord. Hello, my name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by one of my favorite idiots in the world, hey. Ethan Edgehill. I almost like I almost just waved. <laughs> like I said, elevator music in brain today. Hello, my name is Ethan Edgehill. You may know me from the podcast Bacon and Eggs and Movie Lovers Podcast. New episodes every Thursday where we get your podcast on Spotify or late to the party at Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition Actual Play Podcast, hosted by mostly women. You know that I give you a part at the end where you can plug your your stuff. You got to make the cell at the top so people know where they know me from. They definitely have never heard of you before. They've definitely never heard of me before. Honestly, though, I think there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this one that haven't listened to, I don't know, most of the last 40, I would guess. I don't know. We'll see. That's what I'm interested to to see what happens here. So I guess, hello, listeners. Side note, Tyler was supposed to join us for this episode, but there was a bit of a last minute emergency everything's fine but he just couldn't join us for a recording but luckily ethan could still join me so it's still gonna be a great he just said a thumbs up i did um for audio yeah. experience um <laughs> i like to, I like to imagine that my energy came through the microphone anyway you said theatrical edition and so i accidentally watched the one where um it's everything is normal except every time sam says this is the furthest i've ever been away from home <laughs> Every time he takes a step. Every time so he takes a step. I watched the first, I don't know, four and a half hours of that. I hope that was right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I'm so glad that we're it was here to talk about that. Arduous. There's a video someone did. It was like, I watched the nine hour. Every time Sam takes a step, he says, this is the farthest away I've ever been from the Shire. So you don't have to. So it's exactly the same up until that moment like the first 34 minutes are exactly the same right They're the same yeah and then every time sam moves after that it cuts back to like the full minute of him stopping and being like this is it and frodo being like what sam this is the furthest i've ever been away from home it's not just the line they do the whole scene oh my god every time i watched like god. five minutes and i was like this is undoable it takes him <laughs> 10 minutes to get out of that field the genius of the person who created that though like, oh my let's God. all give a round of applause to that person. There's nothing better than a name of movie, but every time YouTube videos. <laughs> Luckily, thank the Lord, we are not talking about <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring, but every time Sam no. takes a step, it... <laughs> We're talking about the first <laughs> 58 minutes of, of Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, we are here for the, I'm going to emphasize again, the theatrical edition, because I have learned since that one, the extended edition for Fellowship of the Ring, at least, is an extra hour of film. And two, I would say that most fandoms, it's like, oh, cool, there's some extra scenes on the DVD menu feature. That's fun. Who am I, Hedwig? Who am I, Hedwig? What am I? <laughs> that is, God, my favorite scene of all time. So the Lord of the Rings fandom is very unique in that they hold the extended edition. It's very coveted. It's very precious shall we say Ay. and i've gotten a lot of passive aggressive sometimes aggressive comments about the fact that i'm even watching the theatrical editions at all so 
that's well, so you, what we're doing. You've got to watch the theatrical versions, though, first, right? Like, you have to. Yeah, because I, when I was, especially when I was watching Return of the King, the person I was watching it with was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that part was not in the original movie. Like, what the heck? The Return of the King extended edition clocks in, like, over five hours, I think. Oh, Shire. Yeah, like, over five hours. It's it's oh, girthy. Man. Do not ever say that word. Have I ever expressed to you guys that girth is my least favorite Really? Word? Oh, no, you haven't. <laughs> I wouldn't, I actually, I probably still would. I would have done it on purpose then. <laughs> oh my God. I hate that word so much. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we're doing theatrical editions and this episode we'll be covering the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring through minute 58 and 32 seconds. You should watch them at some point, but like you can't take it away. Like you can't, you can always add, you can't take away, right? Like you can't unsee the extended edition edition. parts oh yeah that being yeah that being said i will still be after i finish covering fellowship of the ring theatrical edition there will be a special episode just for the extended edition okay look at that and it will be like that for two towers and return of the king so that way uh whoever i have on for those episodes will specifically talk about the scenes that were included or so much better at this than i am we'll see okay well the Okay, you're better at laying the best laid plans of mice and men, right? You're better at laying the plans. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is that listeners, you are listening to the first movie episode, and this is uh, gonna be a learning experience for me. We'll we'll see how talking about the movie goes. It's uh, it might go similarly to talking about the the chapters. It might go totally different. I have zero idea, and Ethan is here to hopefully not laugh at me. So. I'm not going to laugh at you. I will laugh with you at things that you say that are funny. Perfect. What up? It's Mary Collect from the future. I forgot to mention that I'm going to start doing a little recap since one, it might have been a while since you've seen the movies. And two, I'm breaking them up in a certain way. So it's helpful to know exactly what we will be covering in this episode. A lot happens. So I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as possible. Let's do it. Fellowship of the Ring kicks off with five minutes of exposition as Galadriel summarizes probably 80 pages worth of the book. Long story short, Isildur cut off Sauron's finger, got the ring, lost the ring. Gollum got the ring, lost the ring. Then cut to the Shire and Bilbo, who now has the ring. Gandalf arrives for a long expected party where Bilbo pieces out and leaves Frodo the worst inheritance ever. Gandalf, suspicious of the ring, also pieces out to do some intense research like it's the night before an exam he forgot about. He realizes that, oh Shire, this is the one ring and everyone is forked. He tells Frodo to leave with the ring, Except, whoops, Sam was eavesdropping, even though he said he wasn't dropping no eaves. So now Sam goes with him. Along the way, Merry and Pippin are committing a crime and bump into Sam and Frodo, but don't question it for a second when they're suddenly running from evil horses. Meanwhile, Gandalf makes haste for Isengard to talk to his good pal Saruman. He'll know what to do, except, oh snap, he's actually on Sauron's side. He beats down on Gandalf in a fight that is definitely not corny at all and I didn't laugh once. Gandalf is now Saruman's prisoner. Crap. The Hobbs make it safely to the Prancing Pony where Gandalf told them to meet, which makes much more sense than writing a letter and giving it to a forgetful barman to mail to the Shire. It's a good thing that didn't happen because that could have caused a lot of confusion and possibly a side plot with a questionably immortal and all-powerful enigma in the woods. At the pub, Sam notices a sultry figure making eyes at them in the corner. It's a ranger named Strider and he's definitely not sexy. Meanwhile, Pippin's getting wasted and loudly explains that Frodo Baggins, he's right over there. Frodo runs over to rip Pippin a new one but trips and the ring lands on his finger, making him disappear and bringing him into the upside down. Strider pulls Frodo away and tells him that he should be very scared of the ring, which is definitely comforting. That night, ringwraiths sneak in and kill the hobbits. The end. Just kidding. They tricked them and they killed a bunch of pillows. 
Strider, who is actually Aragorn, leads the hobbits towards the elves of Rivendell and knows nothing about Second Breakfast. Whew, that was a lot. Now that that's out of the way, back to the pod. We are going to start this off by me sharing. Listeners might remember this whole idea for this podcast came about because I have only seen Fellowship of the Ring once, or up until before this podcast. I had seen it one time. It was in college. It was 2016. And it was for a film class. I live tweeted it and I hated it. I was like, oh, well, this will be funny for me to do a podcast considering I've already seen the movie and I didn't like it. So we'll see what happens once I go in depth. I went back into my Twitter archive and I have found those tweets from my live tweet session. And I will share them along the way as we get to those points in the discussion. And starting off the first tweet is about to lose my Lord of the Rings virginity. (laughs) So yeah, it kicks off. We get nice, solid exposition voiced by Galadriel. Yeah. And then three minutes after tweeting about to lose my Lord of the Rings virginity, I tweeted, okay, let's chill with the exposition. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, a, uh, it's a dense it's a scene. It's a dense few scenes there, but like, there's so much that you have to just get out of the way, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that being said, it's, so I think it's about a five minute scene of just Galadriel voicing over explaining how the ring was forged. There were, I should know this by now, but I don't. Three for the dwarves and five uh, for the, no, reverse. Three it. for the elves, seven for the dwarves, nine for the men. Yes. Also, not a coincidence, I think, that when it cuts to the nine men, they are all old, crusty white dudes. Right. Who are later corrupted by their own power. So. Well, because no, nobody would like, nobody else could possibly end up being the Nazgul. Yeah. Nobody. Not, old, only old, crusty white, white men. men. Also, not too dissimilar from the United States Supreme Court 50 years ago. Yeah. Or like currently. No, there are women on there, right? There are? On the, on the current Supreme Court? I think there's at least one woman. Currently, <laughs> yes, there is. Is there? Okay. Okay, we're not we're not gonna we're also not gonna talk too long. You're already looking it up because I will start crying about RBG. Just putting that out there. Not a coincidence. However, that being said, literally every person in this movie is white, so it's also not surprising that the nine men are white. Uh let's see. Oh, there's two, yeah. <laughs> Galadriel's explaining how the rings were forged. Sauron had his one ring and then it corrupted him. He was evil, blah, and then Isildur's father is killed and his sword is broken and Isildur takes the shard and slices off his finger. This is what the exposition is. I'm not going to go into every detail actually because that would just get boring. But I did it like all of a sudden occurred to me obviously like now I'm going to have all of these like oh in hindsight I realized X because now that I know what is to come. It's really interesting how the journey of this ring starts and ends with a finger being cut off. Yep. Very cool. It's almost like Tolkien knew what he was doing right he yeah he actually had the thing planned out ahead of time yeah instead of just claiming it after book three went did well oh (laughs) so during this exposition we get lots of sweeping shots of scenery and foggy mountains peter jackson is so lucky the country of new zealand existed because Mm -hmm. i guess i should say so this movie came out in 2001 yep Insert that John Mulaney joke I sent y'all of like. I know it's kind of stupid to complain about a movie that came out 17 years ago. This was 19 years ago now, and Return of the King was 17 years ago, so it's perfect. Yeah. Um. Anyway, some of the special effects are okay. 
in current times. Oh, you can say it. They're hot garbage. This Some movie looks like them, trash. A lot of them are terrible, particularly in Moria, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah. On the next episode during that scene, but like some of the special, the special effects don't really hold up very well. Obviously, you know, at the time they were like revolutionary, but anyway, so yeah, all that being said, he's so lucky that New Zealand existed because I can't imagine having to shoot this film and not just have like this beautiful country that was basically Middle Earth already made Right, that had every kind of landscape you could ever want, just like 85 miles away from each other. So yeah, New Zealand, it's beautiful. Also, speaking of beauty, so we have this exposition and then it does the fade to black, fade up, Frodo sitting by a tree, the Fellowship of the Ring, the Shire music plays in the background. Oh, Concerning Hobbits by Howard Shore. Everything is so green and beautiful. And you just feel so at peace. And it's great. The opening like 30 minutes of this movie from minute five to like a minute 30 is some of my favorite filmmaking ever because I could I could live in that world forever. Right. Like I could sit there in those 30 minutes and just be like, man, Mm. this place is cool. He's got a green door. Look at that. Look at that door. (laughs) <laughs> it's beautiful. It's green. It matches everything else. There's flowers everywhere. There's flowers There's trees everywhere. everywhere. There's golden sunlight. It's just so, it's so freaking beautiful. Yeah, they they reward your, your patience with the, with the dense exposition. And then you get like a very well-paced thing. It's like Frodo and Gandalf introduce themselves. And then we meet Bilbo. And then there's a whole joking thing. And they get high as nuts together. And then there's a birthday party and there's a bunch of fireworks and dancing and singing. and It's very on brand for the Hobbits. Like the way that they mm-hmm. introduce this movie and starting out and dedicating so much time to like the peacefulness and happiness of the Hobbits is just wonderful. And right. I fully appreciate that. Oh, I wanted to jump back real quick, though, just talking about the exposition. So, like, all that slander being said about the exposition and how terribly dense and insane it is. It's way better than reading, like... Oh, my God, the introduction to the thirty, Yeah, like, 30-plus pages, I think, is one chapter of Gandalf being like, hey, here's right. how we're where we are right now. Bilbo names all the hobbits in, like, eight seconds, right? He's like, you've got briars and buckbeaks and... You know, all this stuff. And and then we, then we move on. We move, He makes a funny joke and we move on. And it doesn't need to be 45 pages and it doesn't need to take an hour of uh, yeah. narration. And um, it also, they also like intersperse a lot of that like introductory information that's in the first 50 so pages of the book. And it's interspersed throughout the movie. Yeah. So it's in this case where I'm like, oh yeah, the movie does that better. The pacing yeah. is so much better than the movie's. Well, and- and so that, with the exception of the like the whole how the ring thing happened and whatever, like how the rings got forged and what they do, that five minutes of of introduction is nearly worthless for somebody who's unfamiliar with the story. Because like I saw it for the first time in theaters when I was nine years old, right? I was it was two thousand one. I was nine years old, and I was like, "Who is Sauron? What is going <laughs> on here?" I didn't because I didn't know it was Galadriel. I didn't know who was talking. And then two hours later, we get her, we get Galadriel, and I'm like, like, "Oh." oh. That was the person for the beginning. And I'm, I'm a nine-year-old sitting here like, what is going on? Just show me the pretty hobbits and stuff. Like, it's it's cool. It's good. It's unnecessary for the most you part. Gotta get, you gotta know that background, though. Right. And then it comes together in pieces over the next three movies. You talking about seeing this as a nine-year-old reminded me that I meant to ask you before we started <laughs> the movie discussion. Ethan, tell me a little bit about your experience watching 
either this movie or the movies in general, like for the first time. My dad and I went to see this just like a random... When did this come out? Because I had off from school for some reason. And it was a weekday and my mom had to work, but my dad didn't. And so he was like, hey, you want to go see that new Lord of the Rings movie? And I was like, do I want to see the what? And he was like, yeah, I don't know. This is a movie called Lord of the Rings. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Let's go to the movies. Oh, it was Christmas time. You would okay. have been on sc- uh, school break because it released in the UK on December 10th, December 19th in the US and December 20th in New Zealand. 2001. Yeah, so I definitely would have been off for Christmas break then. But yeah, so I saw this in theaters. I I was nine years old. Like, it took me... I think I saw this one in theaters three times before I finally, like, got what was going on. And then we got the DVD, and I I watched a bunch more after that. And then I saw Two Towers in theaters eight times? Jesus. Eight, I believe. And Return of the King, I saw five times. From From the get, I was hooked, and I got a copy of the books as, like, one big unit. Um. Yeah. Between when... Which, like, it was a hardback copy of all three books that you probably could have like killed somebody with i was gonna say so a brick it was yeah it was like that thick like he i'm I'm holding my hands about as far apart as they go to make c-shapes listeners Uh, it was it was a hefty and i used to carry it around in my backpack uh and it took me forever to finish it because i was again i was 10 years old trying to read this huge huge book but so i was just like in the exact perfect position for these movies for these movies and for the harry potter movies and for the parts of the caribbean movies like i saw all those a bunch because i didn't have a choice right like I had to be able to comment on it with all of my other 10-year-old boyfriends. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. I didn't really think about that. That, like... It's like, I had to know these things cold because yeah, this is that was all we talked about. And we would, like, you know, reenact them at recess. Very and, ingrained in yeah. early 2000s boyhood. <laughs> mm. Yeah, this was an early 2000s boy movie, for sure. Watching these movies made me... It did kind of, like... Make, granted, I would have been too young to, like... It would have been, like, inappropriate for me to go see these movies in theaters in the early 2000s anyway. Like, it would have been too scary for me. I was... Oh, it was it was definitely too scary for me. It wouldn't have been a good situation anyway. But, like, it does kind of... Watching them now for the first time, it makes me sad that, like, I never got to sit in, a the- like, a huge dark room surrounded by a crowd of people who are just as excited to watch this as you are. And then the screen is huge. The volume's loud. And also, you don't have an understanding for what good special effects look like yet <laughs> so you're just like oh that balrog was amazing but that's the thing is like it, in 2000 in 2001 the balrog might as well have been in the room yeah, with you exactly um, so and, the, and the more you watch these movies and the more you'll like start to pick I, I guess you've seen all of them now but yeah um Oh, yeah, I should make that note that as I'm recording this, I've seen all of the at least theatrical editions for all of the movies. And like the parts where it is actual dudes in costumes playing the orcs and stuff like it still holds up the same way like Jurassic Park holds up. But anytime they had to use CGI, yeah, it got a little rough. But also Peter Jackson made these. I just want to talk about this once. okay? because I'm going to say it on our show and I'm going to your show and I'm going to say it on my show. Peter Jackson made these movies wrong, right? What? Peter Jackson made these movies wrong. What's your point? He made them the wrong way. So like. When you write, when they say, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, right, they were pretty sure that that was going to be a document that was going to, like, stand for something in a long time. And you're Peter Jackson, and you're making these movies with the, like, in vogue action movie styling of the day, right, of 2001. It's like, these are going to be very topical and chic movies. And now you look at the filmmaking techniques, and it's like, this does not stand up. Why am I seeing 
just the, just Gandalf's eyes on frame ever. Like what what are you doing? He made these movies in a in a very will go out of fashion filmmaking style. And I stand by this. Like Well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I also feel like I think just at the time because this was also he was doing this in the very beginning of the Harry Potter movie adaptations as well. So the idea of doing like really good quality book to movie adaptations like wasn't really a thing. Like and you're also working with the greatest work of fantasy ever written, I would say. I yeah. think just tackling the original source material and trying to like remain as true to that as possible while also not having each movie be nine hours long because Gandalf sits and talks to Frodo about the history of the rings for three hours. Right. You know? So I think like that alone is a challenge in and of itself. And so I don't think that like there was enough time or creative energy left to be like so what's some cutting edge fighting style that we can do for for this scene or no but see that's the thing is i think they did try to be cutting edge to the point where they should have kind of just made these movies you got to make these movies to stand the test of time right if you make a random movie in in whatever year you can be like okay i'm making a movie if you're doing if you're the first person to live action adapt the lord of the rings books and they're going to give you this pile of money to do it and you're going to use every piece of technology available to you and you're going to have these actors on retainer for like three years and film them back to back to back in the entire country of New Zealand that you basically just rented for filming it. You have to make these movies to stand the test of time. You have to sit there and be like, this is the definitive edition, right? I don't think that they quite got there. Like, I do think they're fantastic. I think that there's, I don't know that there's a better way that you can make the adaptations, but it's like, nothing should take me out of it. And some of the filmmaking to yeah. this day still takes me out of it. Like, you, oh, go from yeah, this, for sure. you go from these beautiful, wide, sweeping landscape shots, which are awesome. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And then you get, anytime people are talking, it's just very questionable. I get two thirds of Elijah Wood's head stuck in the very center of the frame and it goes all the way to the other sides of the screen. So, okay. So I guess like kind of on a similar note for that, I would imagine that would be due to having to do like the size perspective of the hobbits. And if you do a bunch of close-ups of Gandalf and Frodo talking, you don't have to have the body doubles and you don't have to do the forced perspective every time. So like that kind of leads into where we are in the movie. They're in the Shire and Gandalf comes in. Every, literally everyone when I was reading the books would, would always be like, oh yeah, Gandalf, a wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to or whatever. And I was always like, huh, what now? That is a movie line. It's actually his very first line that he says to Frodo. So yep. just pointing on that there. Anyway, so I don't think I like, as I was reading the books, obviously I knew that the hobbits were, were small, but I like never really thought about it until they're on screen next to normal sized people. And I really just, I want to do more research and like watch behind the scenes stuff to see how they did all the force. Because it's crazy yeah because like i've seen how they did it for harry potter when there were scenes with hagrid but like it's one thing to do it for like two scenes in a two-hour movie that are five minutes each you know right it's another thing to do it for nine plus hours worth of film where four of your characters have to be significantly smaller than everyone else especially when when gandalf is like comically tall as well just like Hagrid yeah, was. Yeah. Um, but if you look up how they did the bag end, if they how they did Bilbo's house, it's crazy. And like the way that they have these tables that will like shift in the middle of the scene and like have more oh, is that parts what they would do? coming in. Yeah, they'd like swap stuff out. There's whole contraptions that they built 
Oh my god. So that like Bilbo can be on one end of the table down here and Gandalf can be all the way to the other end or whatever, vice versa. It's crazy. Yeah, that's I'm gonna try and pepper in some some trivia that I read throughout the the episodes. So the first trivia piece is that there were two sets of bag end that were built. One was normal size for when they were filming with the hobbits, uh-huh. and then one of them was like significantly smaller so that Gandalf would look massive in it. And yeah. then supposedly also Peter Jackson has one of those bag end sets. Like he kept it. <laughs> Oh, Peter Jackson's a nut job, by the way. <laughs> Just in case in case you're curious, Peter Jackson is like one of those crazy artist types. No, like, no, no. That does not surprise me, given what I know about J.R.R. Tolkien, that the director who decided to adapt these books is also yeah. like insanely oh, they, they, into they will be They would have been art. kindred spirits. If if there is an afterlife, Peter Jackson, I think, will go up to meet John Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien. Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien. Uh, in in the afterlife, and and old JRR is just gonna be like, hey, yeah, yeah, you done good, kid. <laughs> Truly, I don't think from a, from like a writing perspective or, or a, a script perspective or anything, I don't think there could have been a better adaptation of these movies. I think again, I think yeah. they'll try at some point, but I don't think they'll get it. Yeah, exactly. It. I just can't imagine the amount of because pre- supposedly the Tolkien estate was never a fan of the movies but because because Jert signed he signed away the rights to everything in 1968 for $15,000 at the time which in 2012 is $99,233 which is such a small amount of money considering what we know it's become yeah yeah so like they just kind of had to deal with the movies whatever because he had signed away the rights to it however apparently his grandson Simon has said that he likes the movies and this led to rumors that the Tolkien family disowned him over this but his father Christopher who is now passed away uh denied that that ever happened so more more fun facts about I don't know. Yeah, it's a complicated whatever. thing. And like So I can't imagine having the family of Tolkien breathing down your neck all Truly, I think Peter Jackson you know? didn't care. I truly think he wouldn't have cared. This I was mean, his you kind of can't you kind of can't. Right. You know? This was you his thing. Care. Like he was sitting there going, like, I know better than you do. I know what I'm doing. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump ahead to the birthday party. First of all, I love... Oh, wait. Actually, no. I take that back immediately. When okay. people are like, how, uh, how is Lord of the Rings so long? I'm going to show them this scene where it's Bilbo and Gandalf sitting and they're smoking together and they're blowing shapes with their... I'm like... It's like a five minute scene for no reason. <laughs> I'm like, this is why... Like, also, that's why end- there's a scene in Endgame... With, I think, the Guardians and Thor, maybe. And they're just, like, going back and forth for a joke that goes on for, like, ten minutes. And I'm like, this is why this movie is three hours long. (laughs) This used to be the worst offender for me when I was a kid, too. Because, like, I didn't... I was not... I was never crazy about Fellowship the way I was about the rest of them. Because I felt like it... The older I get, the more I kind of vibe with it. Just because, like... You have to, like, set everything up. That's right. That's just just, the thing, It just drags there in the middle. It really does. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Fine. Whatever. I get that, like, it's to show that Bilbo and Gandalf are friends. I mean, but, like, that you saw that in the scene before. You could argue that, like, oh, well, smoking is a very important hobby for the hobbits and Gandalf, and it's very heavily included in the books, what? so you have to include it in them. But, like, they're seen smoking all the time. And Saruman even talks about know? it five seconds later. He's like, Gandalf, you smoke too much of the hobbits leaf. Exactly. So, like, we don't need that. Just, just saying. Whatever. Okay, so cut to the birthday party. I love the shot of Gandalf dancing with the hobbits. Oh, yeah. This is one of my favorite scenes in all of movies. 
by far. Oh, I should also say this is a it's a huge change from the book and it's Gandalf's character. And it really took me off guard because in the books, he's I mean, like he's nice. And sometimes he is he does have like warmth around him, but he's rarely comforting. He's like kind of grumpy. Sometimes he's very serious. And in the movie, he has that like Dumbledore twinkly eye Mm -hmm. quality to him. This is a huge change from the book. However, I really like it. I mean, I liked Gandalf a lot in the books, but I really like him a lot more in the movies because of how they they made him just so much more just fun. Even when he's when he's Gandalf the Grey and when he is Gandalf the White, he's he's still comforting and wise but he also right. is friendly with everyone you get the sense he really cares about the hobbits exactly yeah so i think the re- this is the result and i don't have anything to prove this is just me talking but uh the, my, my theory is that it i don't know that they knew they were ever going to make the hobbit into like movies in this canon right so i yeah. think that peter jackson really and whoever wrote the script kind of borrowed gandalf from the hobbit a little bit just to get some oh. of that kind of humor that that warmth and they, because the character of gandalf in the hobbit as you'll see when you read it is I'm just playing with a plastic knife for some reason um, <laughs> is like very different. He's he's the Gandalf that we get in the beginning of Lord of the Rings has seen some shire that Gandalf at the beginning of the Hobbit hasn't. And he's very sarcastic and he's very funny and he jokes and he's, you know, he and Bilbo are like really good friends. That's so interesting. And so I think that they try to borrow that character a little bit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because that's really the only like huge, huge character change for any of the, the main fellowship, you know, like. Well. It, I'll I'll say some things about Sam in a bit. Yeah, that I think listeners will enjoy hearing me say. Um, another thing about Gandalf that I notice is that so in the books, Gandalf is like a menace to everyone, and uh-huh. every time he shows up, they're always like, "Stop coming here and <laughs> our Shire up, leave." <laughs> you, you see a tiny bit of that. You see a tiny bit of that wherever you here. go. But when he shows up in the Shire in the movie, everyone, ev- like all of the hobbits are waving to him. When the fireworks go off in the books, they're very, I'm going to try, I'm going to try so hard not to do this too much and say in the books they did this, but it's just going to happen. I'm going to try really hard not to do that a lot. But in the books, the hobbits are like horrified by the fireworks because it's, um, it's a very like loud adventurous thing that's like too much for them you know and in the movies they're very much delighted by them so I just think that's funny that like they because that was a character trait that just made me laugh about Gandalf a lot in the books is that they're all like you stole our horse you miss some you miss some of the hobbits vibe from the books in the movie which is I think it's fine because again like they leave they leave the Shire 30 minutes in and never go back ever until the very very end so like I don't think it's a huge deal but like yeah, Bilbo was the only person to ever leave. Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. Especially from that part from Hobbiton. They don't leave. There's no adventures. They don't leave. Bilbo left and came back and came back like a changed person. And they're like, uh, who are you? Let's not ever leave here again. And there, uh, I think uh, Gandalf tells Frodo, he's like, you're very much like, because Frodo, people have been... <laughs> I recognize that now people were sharing Frodo. It's a Frodo quote saying like, tell me news of the outside world. What's going on? And people were sharing that a lot um, in like March and April when like going to the grocery stores, the highlight of your month. Right. (laughs) 
Let's see. So at the birthday party, we get introduced to Sam. Sam is there and Frodo comes over and is like, ask Rosie to dance and nudges him towards Rosie, which is more of an introduction to a love interest than the books ever did. (laughs) More of an introduction to a love interest that nothing comes of because Sam leaves like three days later. Uh, It's enough of a setup that I'm because I said I wasn't going to say this literally two minutes ago, but in the books... (laughs) They get back to the Shire, and literally the first female hobbit that Sam meets, he's like, I think I'm going to marry that one. It's literally the first, it's like the first woman he sees when they get back to the Shire. He's like, I think I'm going to marry her. Straight up, I think the writers were like, okay, how do we establish the fact that Sam and Frodo are not gay lovers? Are not gay. Exactly. Exactly. They're like, we need this to be a story about friends, okay? Just two friends going on an adventure, in okay? In a hot tub, five yeah. feet apart, because they're, they're not gay. Not gay. <laughs> um, and then we also get a great introduction for Merry and Pippin. They sneak into a tent and uh, into Gandalf's cart and grab some fireworks and accidentally set it off inside of a tent. Gandalf comes over and chastises them. Is that the word? Chat. Chastises, yeah. Chast- is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> I'm questioning the Eng- English language. Literally picks them up by their ears. Yeah, yeah. Does like a child. They they love in this mo- in the these movies. They love treating these hobbits like children. And if I'm correct in thinking this or or hearing this somewhere, some of the body doubles for the hobbits were literally children. Literally, yeah, literal children, yeah. I think there's one shot when Gandalf and Frodo are riding in the cart together. It pans out to a really wide shot, and you can for sure tell that it is a child. It's just a child, yeah. <laughs> a child. No. I, was, I was literally about to say I'm going to insert that audio yeah. right there. A child. No. Okay, so Bilbo gives his speech. His speech is so good. This was one of my favorite parts in the book. They, and I understand why, they cut it down so much to the point where in the movie it's like three sentences. Yeah. And then he pieces out. In the book, it's like several pages and you have, it's funnier in the book because you have the time to read the words and process all of the dry humor. So I would say that's an instance where the book does it better just in general when like those quippy lines, when you like have time to sit there and read it yourself and process it and then be like, oh, that was hilarious. (laughs) It's definitely one of those things where like it's different in the book. I don't think it's any better or worse either way. It's just like they, they get the punchlines across. The other thing though, is that in the books, Bilbo, when he puts the ring on, he disappears with a plume of smoke, if I remember correctly. Oh, I should just add that general disclaimer. I have not like gone back and reread any of the chapters. I haven't listened to any old... The, the chapter you were listening to, or you read a year ago? Yeah. yeah, I have like basically zero memory now Last of July? what the books... Yeah, of like what happened in the book. So if I'm ever like, oh, in the books this happened and I'm wrong, sorry, that's going to happen a lot. So I believe in that chapter, he disappears in this plume of smoke, and then you find out later that Gandalf was in on it. And then here in the movie, Gandalf is like very disgruntled and is like, Bilbo, this is not a ring to be played with. And I'm like, oh, that's the other thing is that I wish I had seen that effect in the movie of like Bilbo doing something super dramatic, because even in the audiobook, it's like, this is the end. I am leaving goodbye and then he puts the ring on and it disappears and it sounds very like 
triumphant and savage, but in the movies it's more like panicked and like, goodbye, and then he disappears. Just kind of like sad to see a scene that like I imagined so differently in my yeah. head when I was reading it, and it just didn't translate that way at all on Especially the combined with the fact it's an effect that definitely didn't hold up. What, the... Him disappearing because when you when he first disappears, you can still see his outline. Oh, can you? Yeah. I didn't notice. <laughs> I did not notice that at all. But also, like, I, I was I ready for it, and I was just like, "Oh, this looks bad." Looking for it. Oh, oh. Okay. For like a split frame, you can still see his outline. And then they have to do the classic thing of Harry Potter does this too, where you see you like see the gate open, but yeah. he's still invisible, so uh-huh. you know that he's walking there. Harry Potter did that a lot with Harry when he's under the cloak of like you see footprints in the snow and someone being pushed aside and he steals Neville's lollipop in Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Gan- so Gandalf comes, yells at Bilbo. Bilbo goes Gollum mode for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's very concerning. He calls it my precious. And Gandalf is immediately like, uh oh, this this isn't great. Eventually convinces him to leave it. It, there's a very like funny moment where Bilbo's like, "All right, here's the ring. I'm off now." And Gandalf goes, <laughs> hey, uh, "Still in Bil- your pocket? <laughs> still, um, still got the ring there, buddy." Okay, and again, another moment of why is this movie so long? He puts the ring in his palm and like slowly turns his hand so that the ring falls out of his hand. I swear they they do a close up of his hand and the ring for a solid five minutes. <laughs> It takes forever. And then it thunks to the ground and doesn't bounce at all. Yeah, it doesn't sound like how you imagine a ring because right. there's that that weight behind it. Yeah, which is important. I mean, you need to know these yeah. things. The yeah. properties of the ring are like, you know, in, introduced visually instead of just being you're told about them, which I like. Yeah, yeah. And then they also, because they also added in this other like aspect of the ring that it whispers. Yeah. And it's, if I recall there so at one point i paused the movie and when you're watching it on amazon video it will show you like who is in that scene and i like paused the movie at one point and it showed me like who was credited as the ring voice of the ring <laughs> yeah i don't remember sorry voice of the ring if you're yeah listening. i was watching it on uh because I couldn't get my Apple TV to like log into your Amazon account to watch it, so I just rented it. Dude, we could have figured that out. Whatever, it's it's fine. It's not a big deal. But yeah, and it, it just like says like "Voice of the Ring" mm-hmm. colon line on the subtitles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, I highly recommend watching this with subtitles on. Yeah, because. Yeah. One, a lot of the voices, the voice acting, especially like when you get with Gimli and Treebeard, I'm like, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> also, it's a movie from the 2000s, so the sound mixing is garbage. Yeah, you uh, you pick up on a lot of like hidden details that you wouldn't notice otherwise. One is that when Gandalf is riding into the Shire and the like open his opening scene, he is singing "The Road Goes Ever On and On," which is a very which is like a the famous song from the book that Bilbo also sings. He does it in the book and he also does it in the movie when he is leaving the Shire and peacing out. So I just thought that was fun. They also at one point at the party, Bilbo's like, oh, Fatty Bulger. And I was like, oh, character cameo, because that's a random character who shows up in the books. So just like fun, like fun little Easter eggs like that happen. Frodo comes home, immediately notices the tiny ring on the floor, which just seemed to me like Peter Jackson was like, hey, walk in and look down at the ring. Well, I'm sure it spoke to him in his head or whatever. Like, Maybe. I don't know. You know what know. I mean? Like, it the just... ring has has thrall over people. 
To be fair, Frodo also like noticed something weird was going on even before Bilbo disappeared. So he was yes. definitely on his guard. So, yes. Good of you to bring this up. When Gan this makes me mad because when Gandalf and Bilbo are talking before the party, Bilbo's like, I'm tired, I want to leave, I think I'm gonna go stay with the elves. And Gandalf is like, You should tell Frodo about this. He worries about you. And Bilbo's like, Yeah, I'll tell him. And then Frodo gets back from the party and is like, Oh, I guess he left. Bilbo yeah. did not tell of him. He didn't. <laughs> Bilbo. <laughs> uh um Frodo comes over, picks up the ring, Gandalf is terrified of the ring. He Makes Frodo put it in an envelope, gives it to him, runs off and says, keep it secret, keep it safe. Yeah, has a has a wild three minute adventure. Yes. So then, yeah. So this is the point when Gandalf is like, huh, I think something might be up here. Yeah. I need to double check this. Rides to Gondor. Well, first... We cut to this is where I get confused in the in the timeline and plot line of this movie. We cut to I guess Mordor where forces of evil are torturing Gollum where he says Shire and Baggins, which is how the Black Riders find out that they have to go to the Shire and find Baggins because that's where the ring is. Then we cut to Gandalf frantically doing research <laughs> which is supposed to be taking place, I should note. In the span of 17 years, in the book, he really? leaves the Shire. Yeah. He, t- after Bilbo's party, he talks to Frodo, he leaves, and the next time Gandalf shows up in the Shire, it is 17 years later. It is a full Harry Potter epilogue later. And in the movie, it's you get the vibe maybe that it's a, couple a week. Days. Yeah. yeah, it's maybe a week. I've heard people be like, oh, no, it it is 17 years in the movie. But the reason that Frodo looks the same is because he has the ring. So he hasn't aged. And I'm like, that's not true at all, because he hasn't opened the envelope or used the ring at all. So he hasn't not right. aged because of that. And also, if that was true, Sam would be Sam would have continued to age. Like we saw Sam, Mary and Pippin. Right. At the party. They would have all been older. They would have all been older older and Frodo would have been younger so that theory is just gone it's almost like the amount of time doesn't matter at all like it's completely irrelevant it's just fun it's just funny in both adaptations because Gandalf is like I have to go crap he does a bunch of research in Gondor in Gondor's library (laughs) reads the accounts of Isildur talking about the ring it's so again another thing of like man in hindsight this is just so powerful and amazing because one of Isildur's I don't know parts of his diary says that like we will do all we like no harm shall ever come to this ring this will be an heirloom that has passed down my bloodline for centuries and then here comes Aragorn descendant of Isildur and he helps to destroy the ring it's so good it's good. And that's the only reason Isildur matters at all is because he's Aragorn's great, 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 great granddaddy. I, I think it's even more than that. I don't even yeah. know. I tried to follow oh, the family tree. It's like 3,000 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's several years. <laughs> but and yet Elrond, still chilling, been there the whole time, has not aged. I was going to say, I should mention that in the exposition, you see Elrond is there at the battle, which again, just... <sighs> it just confuses me so much how the elves... It's like, well, then how do you... How how can elves, how can you, like, when elves are born, are they just adults <laughs> if they never age? <laughs> or do they just age really slowly? Or do they choose when they age? Oh, yeah. Or because do they age, been... they age like humans for 17 years and then stop? <laughs> I don't know. So <laughs> whatever, 
it's fine. This is definitely not something that has kept me up at night for the last year and a half. So, okay, so 17 years later, Gandalf returns. <laughs> yeah, 17 years later, Gandalf returns and is like Harry. No, okay, so this is this is another instance of like the movie did a good job of quickly summarizing about 20 pages of exposition from the book. Very dense. Also, I should mention, like, it's not like quippy dialogue, 20 pages. It's like no. dense paragraphs. Yeah. And... Gandalf looks real bad. I remember there's this like one specific shot of his face where he looks truly terrified. Also, it's the one where he he comes back and he grabs Frodo and he's like, "Is it secret? Is it safe?" Yeah, yeah. And he looks he, like hell. Very different guy from the person we saw ten minutes ago. <laughs> right, that Frodo saw seven days ago. And this is this scene also has like. A plus acting because as Gandalf is explaining the power of this ring to I almost said Elijah <laughs> to Frodo. Frodo is obviously getting more panicked, and there's this fantastic exchange between Ian McKellen and Elijah Wood are great in the scene. Frodo is so scared and frantic and desperate and is like, take the ring, take it from me. I don't want this. I do not want this. And Gandalf is like equally as desperate, but also terrified. And it's like, I can't take it. You don't understand. Yeah. You don't want me to have it. I got magic powers. You don't. No, No. You're young and pure of heart. Again, the movie speeds up time because Gandalf is like, you have to leave the Shire. Um, forget now. the name Baggins. You're going to be Underhill. And Frodo's like, okay, packs his bags, gets ready to leave. In the books, he sits on his ass for about five months. Gandalf is like, you need to leave the Shire. And Frodo's like, okay, but I think I'll wait until after my birthday in the fall because that's my favorite season. Right. <laughs> Okay, so they hear some rustling outside in the garden. This is a great character trait that they've done with Gandalf in the movies. He just smacks his staff on whoever is out there. It's Sam. (laughs) Gandalf in this movie just smacks people with his staff, and I appreciate it. And Sam has some great lines here, and he is immediately way less annoying in the movie than he is in the book. Mm-hmm. Way less for now. Um, and Gandalf says, "Were you eavesdropping?" He says, "I I haven't been dropping no eaves." And then he's like, "Well, did you hear anything important?" He's like, "I didn't hear anything except maybe a little bit about a ring and evil and, and the, end the, the end of the world." <laughs> so Gandalf tells Sam to go with Frodo and to watch after him. And this is very important. He says he tells them to make for Bree and go to the prancing pony. And this does not happen in the book. In it doesn't? The book. No, in the book, Gandalf is like, I will come back to the Shire and we will go together. He doesn't come back to the Shire. I think that's another part reason for why Frodo sticks around the Shire for so long is because he's waiting for Gandalf and Gandalf doesn't show up. In the book, he gives the barman at the Prancing Pony a letter to send to the Shire, which the barman then forgin- forgets to send. Ah. And so the ensuing madness is that the hobbits go off on a random adventure by themselves in the woods. And like the whole reason they they run into Tom Bombadil. That's how they end up with Tom Bombadil's. (laughs) And they like they're almost get killed by Barrow Whites, which aren't even in the movie, um, is because Gandalf gave them no instructions. Uh, How do you feel about that? Is that that's not this section? The Tom Bombadil. Yeah, that would have been this section. Yeah, it is. We'll get there. We'll get there. Don't you worry, Ethan. Oh, do not you worry one bit. (laughs) But it's just it's it is funny for moments like that where I'm like, oh wow, I complete. It's 
just thinking about like the memes that I make where I'm like, oh, yeah, that meme made zero sense to people who have never read the books. Like zero (laughs) sense at all. (laughs) So thus begins the walking. The walking. Walking montage. Walking montage. There's so much walking in this movie. And then cut to Gandalf. And what's funny is that I'd never. So he rides horses a lot in the book. Obviously, he rides shadow packs. But I had like never pictured Gandalf on a horse. And to me, it's just a little bit silly. <laughs> this like huge sweeping shot right. of a of a guy on a horse riding at the speed of light. But he's in a, a wizard costume. Right. And he's not even riding Shadowfax at this point. He's just riding a random horse. Because at this point, he hasn't stolen Shadowfax yet, which is a point that, unless it's in the extended edition, oh, they left out of the movie's entirely. entirely. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, this is Shadowfax. He's the fastest horse like, in. He's in my horse. The fifth just... fastest horse in Foon! <laughs> <laughs> So we show up to Saruman, which which Gandalf is like, I'm going to go talk to the head of the wizard, Saruman the Wise. He'll know what to do. This is what shocked me when, which I, I should say. So I saw Lord of the, I technically saw Fellowship of the Ring. Not even technically. I did. I saw it one time in 2016. When I watched this movie again for the first time two weeks ago, I truly remembered nothing. <laughs> Not a single scene of it did I once remember. So when Saruman shows up 30 minutes into Fellowship of the Ring, I was shocked because you don't see Saruman until a third of the way into Two Towers. And you don't even like hear of him until the Council of Elrond chapter in Fellowship of the Ring, which is more than halfway through. So I was really shocked that Saruman, just in general, was like a much larger part of this movie, of these movies, than he is in the books, which like, I guess makes sense because in the books you can't show his perspective because you don't have a character there with him to jump to. Right, so he can't say anything unless he has somebody to talk to. So in the movie, it makes more sense. They can do that. They can jump when... To, to just show what Saruman is doing and how he's building the orcs and cutting down trees. And in this case, revealing that he's completely evil to Gandalf. Yep. And then commences a definitely very serious fight that I did not laugh at one yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's so terrible. How did they, how did they film Ian McKellen, I mean, it must have been a stunt double. Ian McKellen spinning on his head. Every time. Every time. This is what I'm talking and about. This, like, is, this is questionable filmmaking at its finest. And be, and be like, yeah, this is it. This is what we're, we're presenting to the world. Oh, looks sick, dude. Print that. Got it. Hell yeah. Like how how did they watch that and think that was Because a it was good 2000. Idea. It was 1999 or whatever oh year they did this Oh my god. In. They were this, like this is it. This is what movies look like now. This is a scene that I I point to now when when cuz I've gotten some questions of like oh like do you think it holds up? Oh, this is a scene where I'm like it does not hold up at all. Because the other thing kind of in general is that like stylistically action movies have progressed so much to just thinking about like 
Avengers Endgame and the way that they shoot those action sequences where a lot of them, they're like so well choreographed. Also, a lot of them have these like long, wide sweeping shots where like you show this person and then you sweep over to this person and then this person. Whereas when you are all of a sudden now jumping back to early 2000s action sequences, it's like jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. We're going to shake shaky cam and and we're going to special effects here so that you can't tell what's going on. Right, because they tried to make this like an action movie and it, it had no business being an action movie. It like could have been if it was better choreographed, but like But it, it didn't but you don't have an action movie that has this much dialogue and story, right? Like at least you didn't yeah, back then especially. True. We it's just uh, it's not good. Gandalf gets locked up. Oh, so sad. Oh, should note in the movie they pronounce it Palantir, which is terrible, and I reject that pronunciation because I, I, I would agree with Palantir. you. Yeah. It's Palantir. Palantir. We're gonna go with that. I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a stupid ass decision, I've elected to ignore it. Back to the Hobbits, where Merry and Pippin. This is so on brand for them, and I love it. The only reason they get it in the movies, the only reason they get involved in this quest, is because they stole food from Farmer Maggot and are running away from him, and they just happen to bump into Sam and Frodo, and that's it. That's what happens. Yep, and it's perfect. They're true homies too, because immediately Frodo's like, we have to hide. And they're like, okay. And then black riders come up and then they leave and they're like, that was weird. And Frodo's like, we have to get out of the Shire. And Mary is immediately like, yeah, let's go. We got to go to Buckleberry Ferry. Let's go. Let's do this. They're just immediately on board. And I love it. You want to talk about a, a shot that doesn't hold up is the shot of the, uh, before the black rider shows up when it's just an empty street and they like do the camera, the dolly zoom while there's like a screeching noise that plays in the background before the Black Rider shows up for the first remember. time. No, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember that shot specifically. Oh my God. It's like painful. And I have thought about it pretty much every day since I first saw this movie. People will know what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. People, you know what he's talking about. Movie Mary supports my, my thesis, my hypothesis that Mary is the best hobbit because he has all the fun and the quirk and the humor of, of hobbits. But he is very smart because immediately he's clued into the fact because Pippin is like, what the heck was that? I don't know what's going on. Mary, meanwhile, is like, Frodo, what the heck is going on? There's no reason why those kinds of creatures would be in the Shire unless it was for something terrible. And Frodo's like, but now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah. Um, as long of. as we're on the topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I might be in some trouble. <laughs> they run to Buckleberry Ferry and Sam says the first what I'm going to call attention to throughout the movie coverage. I am convinced that they were like, hey, dude, we had some troubles with your mic. I don't know, whatever. While we were filming and for some reason, we never captured you yelling Frodo. Can you come in the recording studio and record a couple times to loop over? And then they accidentally deleted all but one. So Frodo! That one. It's, it's Frodo! Every time. Frodo! That's it. Frodo! Every time. Frodo! And I am going to write down in my notes the timestamps when they happen, and I'm going to make a compilation video of all of them. And it's going to, which Love I'm that. sure that's already out there. That's what's sad, kind of, about covering the movies now, is that literally any joke I'm thinking of has already been said and done. Oh, 5, true. For times. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because they did <laughs> you know? come out 19 years ago. Cut to 
they are just at, they're already at Bree. And yeah. this is where our homeboy Tommy B was supposed to come in with the nonsense. So how do you feel about this? <laughs> I so 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 on one hand, I understand why they cut him. It makes complete sense from a narrative perspective to just keep the story moving along. It would have been a total tangent for them to just be like, "Oh, look at this enigma of a man living in the woods by himself with his hot wife." Let's go chill with them for a couple days while he does sleight of hand magic with this evil <laughs> ring, which he isn't phased by, by the way. He holds, that's why Tom Bombadil is such a mystery of a man. He holds the ring and is like, interesting. And he put, I think he puts it on even. And and they're all like, what? You're not supposed to do that. And he's like, nah, it's fine. And he gives it back like it's no big deal. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. He's the Lord of the Rings equivalent of that one wizard in the harry potter movies it's like stirring his coffee with his wand with no with his finger so, that's what he's yeah, doing with his finger yeah. yeah he's doing wandless magic reading a brief history of time by stephen hawking upside down yeah what the, fine i guess yeah, that's he's the tom bombadil of that. we'll we'll accept that like this is secretly the most powerful wizard to ever live he can do wandless magic so here's here's the the thing is though is that like I everyone told me that he is not in the movies and I was like, yeah, I'm I get that. That makes sense. I would be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me that hoped that everyone had just been lying to me this whole time. <laughs> I, I I was like, maybe maybe there's a one percent chance. Nope. nope. No, he's not nope. in there. Yeah, this is this is a sheer result of me saying the movies first, but I could not care less. When I got to Tom Bombadil in the I books, know, I was like, Who? I know. It's just so, I think the other thing is that, like, it's the first, like, remotely interesting chapter in the book. Like, when you're reading, they're just, it's exposition and walking, and that's it. Yep. And then you get to Tom Bombadil, and it's like, oh, my God, things are actually happening, and we're meeting new people, and, like, it's it feels like things are finally moving forward. So, a uh, fun fact is that they did originally plan to have a cameo for Tom Bombadil. Peter Jackson said that they planned for the hobbits to be walking through the woods, and then you see a man with a feathered cap dart in and out of the trees, and that they would hear him singing. Unfortunately, they ran out of time to film this. So that makes me sad that that it could have been like, I think that would have been a really fun Easter egg for the book people watching the movies to be like, oh, my God, there he is. It's Tom Bombadil. But nope. You think when Chris Columbus saw this movie and was like, oh, man, they didn't include Tom Bombadil. Cut the peeve scenes. Cut the peeve scenes. Yes. He was like, you know what? If he can cut Tom Bombadil, I can cut peeves. <laughs> Delete the peeve scenes, everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So they show up. Frodo's like, I'm Underhill. Yeah. <laughs> some, some great acting from old Frodo Baggins there. Oh, speaking of great acting, I forgot to mention. We get our first, what I'm going to refer to from here on out, derpy Elijah Wood acting moment. When the Black Riders are above them, they're hiding, and they're like sniffing for them. And Frodo first gets the 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 urge to put the ring on, and then like his eyes roll into the back of his head. Yeah. And the other thing, the other, they use slow-mo so terribly in this movie, and it makes things so weird, and I hate it, because they also do like a slow motion shot on his face, so like his eyes flutter closed. Right. And they didn't have cameras that could adequately record slow motion then. It just makes me uncomfortable it's bad and this is just not this is not the only time where we get some derpy elijah wood acting no 
there's a great moment where Mary sits down <laughs> with a glass of beer. What is that? A pint. It's a pint. Yes, what is that? It comes in pints. Yeah. I'm getting one. And Pippin runs over to the bar to get a pint of you beer. You've had a laugh already. <laughs> and that's when Sam notices a certain figure in the corner. A certain figure. Who's definitely not sexy at all. God, I just don't like... You know Orlando Bloom's also in these movies, right? Like, you do know that. No, no, no. Orlando Bloom is not sexy. He's pretty. Whatever. No, he's pretty. I do not get that. Viggo Mortensen is such a, like... Here's the thing, though, is that I've looked up pictures of Viggo Mortensen. He is not attractive. No. He is literally only attractive when he is Aragorn. So I think I'm just in love with Aragorn. Sad to and say. not Viggo Mortensen? Not Viggo Mortensen. But I, I don't know, because at the same time you read, I want to do fun. <laughs> I want to do a weekly Viggo fact. Specifically a weekly, like, oh my God, Viggo Mortensen is Air is actually Aragorn fact. And this fact is veteran sword. Sw- I, I just said sword. I pronounced the W in sword just now. <laughs> Veteran swordmaster Bob Anderson called Viggo Mortensen, quote, the best swordsman I've ever trained. <laughs> what now? And that concludes this segment of is Viggo Mortensen actually is a, Viggo a Mortensen ranger? Actually Aragorn, yeah. Yeah. So he, you texted me, me and Tyler the other day and said that Viggo Mortensen <laughs> is the, the second person to be put on your list of people that could punch you in the throat behind Henry yeah. Cavill. Yeah. Yep. Henry, to, which, uh, to yeah, be fair, until, I also don't get the attraction there. But ha, but have you watched The Witcher? Uh, like an episode. He looks like an idiot in that. No, 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 no. You didn't get to the bath scene. I don't need to get to the bath scene. He looks like an idiot yeah, with that don't. hair. Mm. Yeah. So there, there. Before now, there was just one man who I would let hit me, and it's Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> and then now it's also Viggo Mortensen and/or Aragorn. It's also Viggo Mortensen a la. 2001. But he has to be dressed as Aragorn yeah, by the, when he hits me. By the time you get to 2004 and he's in Hidalgo, it's not good enough. <laughs> um. So, yes, he's sitting in the corner, skulking. I want to read uh, his introduction from the book because it's done so well in the movie. Yeah. Suddenly Frodo noticed that a strange-looking, weather-beaten man sitting in the shadows near the wall was also listening intently to the Hobbit talk. He had a tall tankard in front of him and was smoking a long-stemmed pipe curiously carved. His legs were stretched out before him, showing... This is my favorite line. Showing high boots of supple leather... That fitted him well, but had seen much wear and were now caked with mud. A travel-stained cloak of heavy dark green cloth was drawn close about him, and in spite of the heat of the room, he wore a hood that overshadowed his face, but the gleam of his eyes could be seen as he watched the hobbits. They did that so well. They clearly, it's just like a moment like that where I'm like, they really, they, they looked at the source material and were like, we're not going to change a thing. Also, Aragorn is just so dramatic, and I love it. He just sits in a dark corner, and his chi- the way his chin juts out is A+. Plus. And then he's smoking the pipe, and he looks pissed off as he's staring at the hobbits, and you're like, this dude's not good. Meanwhile, Pippin's over at the bar and is like, oh yeah, Baggins? He's right over there. Blows their whole cover. Don't you just love it? 
Don't you just love Pippin in that moment? Yeah, I wrote down in all caps, Pippin, no. (laughs) Frodo goes over to yell at him and trips and the ring floats up into the air and falls on his finger. And this is where I owe an apology. Bethany, if you are listening, we were talking about the movie and I said, it's so corny how they did that in the movie because that doesn't happen in the book. He doesn't put the ring on until they get to Weathertop. I was wrong. This is actually how it happens in the book. I was going to say, that's how they know that he's there. Because he disappears and Aragorn is immediately like, well, that the I, ring wants to be found, so we got recognize- to set up some dummies in these beds up here <laughs> and then have to have a really dramatic scene of the Nazgul just like, ha! <laughs> it's like, I, I, recognize, I recognize that. Whoops. Yep. So he pulls Frodo into a different room and is like, are you scared? Frodo says yes, and he goes, you should be more scared <laughs> than you are. <laughs> and then come bursting in the hobbits. First, there's just a lot of things I love here. First... Sam yells Longshanks, which is one of Aragorn's nicknames when he's in Bree. They call him Longshanks, which is just hilarious. And so Sam is like, get off him, Longshanks. And then Merry or Pippin. I still can't. I can't really tell them apart in the movies. I'm sorry. I can't tell them apart. I try so hard. Merry and or Pippin is holding a lit candelabra and then the other one has a stool. I love it because clearly the hobbits have never fought anyone in their lives. Again, on brand. Yep. And then that's when Aragorn's like, we're in trouble. We're gonna- We're gonna die. Do this very dramatic sequence. Can you imagine though, if like that, they're just like, oh, well, we killed the hobbits. That was fun. Bye. And then that- it's over. The end. Yep. Yep. Stab, stab, stab. Stab, 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 stab. Also, when Gandalf is talking to Frodo and trying to figure out if it's the ring and tells him to put it in the fire and Frodo takes it out and is like, I don't see anything. And Gandalf does a sigh of relief. Imagine if it was like, okay, cut to credits. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Oh, it's not the ring. <laughs> and then Frodo's like, wait, wait, I do see Actually, something. Actually, no, it is. It is the ring. Aragorn is like, these are Nazgul ringwraiths and tells them that they are the nine men who have fallen or whatever and that they could sense when the ring was being used and that's how they came there and that he will help them and they will go to see the elves and then they start traveling and Aragorn turns around because all of a sudden they've stopped moving what are they doing well we're stopping for breakfast but you've already had it Yes, we've had one breakfast, but what about second breakfast? And then Aragorn just keeps on walking and yeah, and Pippin. This is like one of the most famous famous Hobbit things that I was just I just kept waiting throughout the book for them to be like, yeah, second breakfast and eleven seas and afternoon tea and all the other things. And nope, never happened. It's just a book. I mean, it's just a movie thing. But again, it just goes to show like how like dedicated a fan base the lord of the rings movie fandom is that like they make second they like fall in love with things like these just like small simple moment like comedic moments like second breakfast and then yeah aragorn throws an apple at mary who catches it and an apple at pippin who does not catch it and that's where we are ending our our chapter discussion yeah yep. i mean our 11 z second breakfast holy cow all of it movie discussion movie discussion that's crazy. It's, it's technically chapter one of the movie and chapters. I don't know how DVD chapters worked for this, but that was a thing that used to happen. Oh, yeah. I'll have to. I got the DVDs 
from my parents' house, so I'll have to like pop one in and see like how it was broken up and, and stuff. So I'll read off one of one of my tweets that I tweeted during that first watch. So one I said was, okay, so like WTF does the ring even do? Make you win battles? Make you immortal? Make you invisible? Okay. Thoughts an hour in. The hobbits seem useless, Gandalf seems useless, and I still don't know WTF the ring actually does. So the mechanic for the ring is very complicated, right? Because like so it can it shrinks to fit anybody that's on because obviously Saruman yeah. or Sauron has this giant yeah, I was finger. Wondering. And Isildur picks it up and it's huge. It takes up his entire palm. And then, but then he went, I was wondering, I was like, so is that a movie, like, continuity error, or, like, what's happening there with the ring constantly being I mean, a it's a size? magic ring. I think it's it's fe- reasonable to think that it would fit anybody that wears it. But also, he is so f- goofy to me that he wears it outside of his armor, that, that Sauron wears it outside of his armor. It's for the drama. I know it is, but, like, oh, my God, he's wearing it outside of his mail, like, on his gear to get it over that finger thing. Well, I don't know if the, the armor would fit if he was wearing the ring under it you know <laughs> i don't think he could wear the, but the also, gloves so, so here's my question is like when when sauron's wearing it is he invisible inside the armor because he's visible he wears it and he's visible because he cuts off isildur chops off his finger which would imply that he has to see his finger well also and like then, we see him he he marches up in that him. yeah so like but, it does it does something different for But the thing Sauron. is though is that when Frodo puts it on, he disappears with all of its clothes. So does Bilbo. So so and so does Bilbo and anyone else who, Look, who uses it. This would it. not be the first instance in fantasy of armor not counting as clothing. So it would imply no, but it would imply that if Sauron was wearing it, the armor would also disappear. It, it would indeed imply that. I've never quite understood the mechanic of the ring. See? So what, now what, do you what does understand? It do? What is it used for? How does it control people? We never find exactly. out. Exactly. So like now do you understand where 2016 Mary Clay was coming from? I'm watching this movie. There's like what feels like half an hour of exposition followed by walking. The hobbits are... Like, if you don't know about the hobbits going into it, they're kind of annoying. They're not endearing oh, and yeah. cute. They're annoying because you're like, oh, my God. I mean, it takes God. until Boromir dies for this movie to really get good. Eh, well, eh, I don't know. Eh, see, see, uh, it's so It's so <laughs> I'm going to make that noise 5,000 times. Not a whole lot of stuff happens in this movie. But it's hard because, like, you have to you have to set it all up. Yeah, for it's sure. It's so hard. People were asking me, like, so do you like the movies? Are you enjoying them? And I'm like, you know, I don't really know. Because, <laughs> like, on one hand, it's, it's like, always hard when you watch a, a book-to-movie adaptation. Yeah. So, like, that's one aspect that's kind of, like, hard to get past of being, like, things are different in the movies. Things are different in the movies. Just accept it. Move right. on. Right. You're not watching Holes. The other thing... <laughs> Thing is that it's like such a I can't explain to you what a weird experience it is to read a series that literally everyone already knows about for over a year and then watch the movies. It really feels like everything has been leading up to the moments for me to watch the movies, not the moment for me to like read the books and like get to a certain chapter or whatever. It feels like it's been leading up to me watching the movies. And then now I'm watching something that I've been like imagining in my head for the last year and a half. And some of it's accurate to what I was picturing. Some of it isn't. Oh, I firmly expect you to hate the movies. I guess maybe that's like a testament to 
I think how well done they were made, at least in standards of like early 2000s, is that like I'm watching it now in 2020 and I don't completely hate it. You right. Know? Well, yeah, in every aspect except like visual and even sometimes in visual, they're pretty astounding adaptations. Like they are they are mm-hmm. very good adaptations. Yeah. I don't know. It also just when I like read the I love reading the trivia and the behind the scenes stuff about these movies because like the actors cared so much about their characters and their parts in this movie. The like producers and costume designers and extra like literally everything. It's it's what I really love about the Harry Potter movies. And it's that the production value that was put into it was so thoughtfully done. And like, so it wasn't just like, eh, slap some, you know, get, go to go to a Halloween spirit store and buy a goblin mask for the orcs, <laughs> you know? Like, they really carefully crafted this thing. And it, I think that's when things hold up over time is when you can tell the amount of, like, care and effort that was put into it originally. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It It is like... Something they did really intentionally. I mean, they did they they spent a lot of money on it. They obviously spent a lot of time on it. Again, they rented out the whole country of New Zealand for God knows how long um, to do these movies. And like, it definitely shows. It definitely shows in mm-hmm. again even the parts where like it's not relied on CGI when it is just people in orc costumes. You know, it, it is better and it holds up almost entirely. You know, some of the stuff with the Ents, maybe not, but... I was going to say, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to, to say. And I'm sorry to, like, constantly be comparing it to the Harry Potter movies, but literally, I don't think there's any more relevant cultural touchstone than... No. You know, they're both, like, full disclaimer, of course, JKR, she's a turf, and trans women are women, and you all deserve rights her they literally literally would not let her write the script so yeah anyway like that being said the the things that i love about the harry potter movies is they did so many practical effects where they were like oh let's have a pair of floating knitting needles making a a scarf when we walk into the burrow and that's actually a machine that they made rather than having to go in and cgi it and like that's why i think the moments when the special effects stand out as being bad happen is because like there's so much of the movie where it's all practical effect where it's like oh we're doing we're doing forced perspective with the hobbits and the big people so that we don't have to cgi and green screen everything when you'd be surprised how little of it actually ends up being cgi and how little of it ends up being green screen and like how many people they put in orc costumes for some of the bigger battles it's crazy oh my gosh so many when you look at the behind the scenes also from a technical standpoint skimming the surface of like what I was reading about there is this like one program that they literally made for this movie that animated and created extras and programmed it so that the extras were like their own sentient people basically and like they moved on their own and they programmed it so that like the enemies would know who their enemies like so they knew who to fight so that like you don't look in the very corner of the background and you see two people on the same side fighting each other. So like from a technical standpoint, it's also impressive for the time. Well, yeah, they, they basically set up their own special effects workshop that's still extant today. I mean, Weta Workshop still works on, I would say, 50% of movies that have heavy CGI. Industrial Light and Magic doing the other half. You know, it's like there's there's sort of two movie houses in the world that can pull these kind of things off. And they still use all of this technology and adapt it mm-hmm. for different movies today to this day from what Peter Jackson did in New Zealand in the early 2000s. Like it's still in New Zealand doing things. It's very like foundational work for the fantasy genre. Yeah, you had to kind of you, you had to write the book, literally like write the rule book on how to do these movies. And yeah, you know, I think that 
these end up being better than four or five of the Harry Potter movies, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. It's so, I don't know. It's just so, it's it's really hard to think about a movie being, I don't know. I'm going to like, I'm going to come back to this throughout this, throughout these episodes. This like question of like, do I enjoy these movies and are they good is, is like a difficult question for me because it's really hard to look at a movie, movies that were made 20 years ago and be like, yeah, these really hold up when like so much has changed. But see, that just doesn't bother me at all. Cause I watch movies from, from 75, 80 years ago and be like, this rocks. I know. But like, that's like such a different, it's like one thing to watch a movie that was made completely in a different century than the 19 whatever. And and know that like stylistically this is different but like when you're watching something that was made i don't know i'm ta- am i talking in a loop i don't know no i totally get what you're saying i i don't think it's so much them free and and maybe that's just where your brain's going with it i don't think it's so much them being old and and like not necessarily holding up as to you just like they're never going to hold up to what to the expectation you had you know because it, yeah. you've been reading these books for a year and promised these movies for a year and like i think if you put them down for another year and come back next year and be like, oh, man, these were kind of cool. Yeah. And I think yeah. you'll, you'll enjoy it more for sure. So I watched, let's see, I watched Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers in one weekend. And cool. then a week, what? What was that? That's just a <laughs> lot. There's just a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie. I watched one movie one night and then the other movie the next night. I don't think that's insane. That's still six hours of Lord of the Rings movie in and two then, days. No, like, it is. It is. And then... um, Because I've done the thing where I watch them back to back to back in three days and it's rough. Um, When people are like, oh, we're having an extended edition movie watch. Oh, dude. It's, a, it's 11 plus yeah. hours. I know people will just sit down. They'll sit down for 11 hours and watch... Lord of the Rings movies. That's that's another reason, listeners, why I'm not covering the extended editions this extensively is because I cannot watch that much for that long. It took me an hour and a half to watch 58 minutes of the movie because I would pause and and write down stuff and take notes so that I can cover it. So I can't I cannot watch a four hour movie times three. That's 12. So how many how many times have you math? seen just just once through all the way and then then this part of this one yeah so i have seen oh yeah so what i was saying is that so in the i don't know six days between when i watched fellowship and two towers and then return of the king i did find myself have this urge to like want to watch fellowship again so i think that's promising i think that's promising for the movies that i was already like you know what i think i want to like go back and, and watch it um yeah so i have watched the three all the way through one time I watched the 58 minutes for this episode last night. I'm recording the next chunk of the movie Sunday. Saturday, probably, I'll watch the next hour. And then I'll rewatch the full thing again before we cover it for Bacon and Eggs. Um, So I, I will be... And then after that, I'll have to watch the last hour for that episode and then i have to watch the extended edition how ready are you to put lord of the rings down and then i'm probably gonna have to i'm gonna have to like mark the scenes in the extended edition that are extended edition scenes so that i can like go back and you just turn your mic off or something i can't can you hear me now yes woo i didn't mute myself yeah, it happens. That's that's the curse <laughs> I hit of the Yeti. My microphone. Yeti with pop filter equals bad because mute button on front. <laughs> it's fine. 
when I watched the movies for the first run through, I just watched them. I didn't yeah. take notes. I didn't pause. Like, I tried my hardest to not pause. I was like, I just want to sit down and watch it and enjoy it. You watched them with people, though, right? I watched uh, Two Towers and Return of the King with my friend and former guest, Bethany. Uh, um, I and went was she not to... just sitting there staring at you the whole time? Just like. Oh, no, she was. She put po- she posted like a lot of my reactions <laughs> to her Snapchat story. God, I hate that. And I say, no, it was really fun though because but it was really it was really funny too because we were sitting in her living room and all the lights were off and then all of a sudden she would like reach over and turn the lamp on <laughs> and I knew she was about to start record my reaction for something so you know something's about to happen <laughs> okay all right Ethan Edgehill thank you for joining me for Fellowship of the Ring absolutely part one what would you like to share with the audience uh, I already said at the top of the show, I broke your <laughs> rules. So you can find me on the internet. Uh, go follow my Instagram page at Edge Hill Photos on Instagram and like my five pictures of sunflowers because everybody needs to do that because I like them. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you or being on this show. And <laughs> I don't guest on a lot of podcasts. I make a lot of podcasts. So I was going to say, I almost... I'm terrible just, at being interviewed for podcasts. No, no, no. I almost just like stopped talking and sat back and let you take the reins and be like, "All right, where does this sit on the big board?" And because I've, never... I can tell you that t- I can tell you when we put this on the big board on Tuesday, Tyler's gonna put it at number one because we only have one other movie. I mean, it better be. Uh, also, I don't like this as much as Stranger Than Fiction. Really, I love that movie so much. No, I mean, really, you don't like you don't like Fellowship of the Ring that much, or like you dislike it that much. I guess is what I. No, mean. I just really like Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, okay. That's like one of my top ten all time. This is not. This is my third favorite Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I don't know. I just thought here I'm liking all your sunflower pictures. I'd only liked one of them. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this how movie. Many, um, how many? Pi- okay. How oh, many? <laughs> Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Counted them myself. R.I.P. Um, Richard Griffiths. I don't know. I like. It's weird because I enjoy. I I do think I really enjoyed Fellowship because it feels. It has this like weird quality for me where it feels nostalgic despite the fact that it's not connected to literally any memories apart right. from you know a year ago. Yeah, but like you've you've thought about Lord of the Rings pretty much every single day. Did I <gasps> for a year and some change? I need to share. I've no, I've like legitimate. I've had more Lord of the Rings related slash podcasting related dreams in like the last three weeks than I have in the last year of this podcast. Because you're done with it. You're done with the books. Like it's a whole. I know. Your I brain know. knows I, what the arc is now. Like you, I had a, I had a, a dream where I was watching like Return of the King. Actually, no. For some reason in my brain, I knew it was two towers. But the thing that happened in in the movie in this dream happens in Return of the King. Anyway, in this dream, I'm watching two towers. I'm with my friend Bethany and she's watching me react. And for some reason, Kira Knightley plays Eowyn, except for she changed nothing about her performance from the way that she plays Elizabeth Swan. <laughs> so it was basically just Elizabeth Swan, but in Eowyn clothes and in Tolkien world. That would be too brash, Mr. Aragorn. It was terrible. And I remember like they completely in this version 
in my dream, in my like weird stressed head, they like decimated the witch king scene. And all of my friends in the room that were watching me watch this were like, isn't it great? And I'm like, no, it's not. And then she plops down on the field. My favorite scene in the whole movie. And then Mary plops down on the field and is dying next to her, except for the actor they had playing him was a literal child. A child. They just had a child playing Mary. And I I was like, this is terrible. Why did you how? I don't understand why everyone's been hyping up these movies all this time. This is legitimately terrible. And I woke up and I was so angry about it. All right, cool. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WB&E. You can learn more about the network by going to WB&E.org, where you will also find all of our other shows like this one. Hello, and welcome to Bagels. I'm Emily Carlin. And I'm Tyler Carlin. And welcome to our crazy, chaotic, and loving life. It is so much fun, and Bagels is an opportunity for us to just talk about love, relationships, and sometimes we get a little deep, and sometimes... We get really silly. We get really silly. So if this Uh, sounds like the kind of thing you'd be into, check Bagels out wherever you get your podcasts, and on Spotify, or WBNE.org. I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brayden. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast on Patreon, patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod. And you can become a sponsor like... I'm definitely not looking this up. You can be a sponsor like Mott's. Mott's is amazing and wonderful and yeah that's it thank you for your support mots what up it's mary cliff from the future i forgot to mention what we'll be covering next week in case you want to watch what we will be discussing so next week we are covering fellowship of the ring again theatrical edition minute 58 and 33 seconds through two hours one minute and 40 seconds so it goes right where we left off it picks up with saruman's creepy little fingers and stopping after the first battle in the tomb of Moria, where Gimli says you are full of surprises, Master Baggins. And if you don't want to wait until next week to hear more of my movie thoughts, you should go listen to Lord of the Rings Minute this week. That's right. I was finally able to record with Cassandra and Norman, and we analyzed minutes 221, I think, to 225 of Return of the King. So very near the end, it starts with Frodo being carried away by the eagle and then ends with Legolas and Aragorn about to do a bro hug at the coronation scene. It was so fantastic. A lot of my worked up thoughts and emotions came through there because I haven't recorded them on this podcast. There was talk of Aragorn's beard and crown and Legolas standing awkwardly and Faramir and Eowyn being robbed of good stories, and most importantly, that terrible, terrible slow-mo reunion scene. So go listen to that Lord of the Rings Minute I'm on all this week, and it was so much fun. Oh, I said I was going to read a review. (laughs) I have a terrible thing each episode where I'm like, I'm going to try something different, and then I forget about it the next episode. Dennis Elamine 
Denizelamine left a review and said, if you love Lord of the Rings and have a sense of humor, listen to this podcast. It's hilarious and informative. All the guests are great, and I wish episodes came out daily. Thank you so much for leaving that review. That made me feel happy because I like reading nice things about myself because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I just read your four-star review what? that said you spoiled something about, or your three-star review that said yeah. you spoiled something about Gandalf and Frodo. Yeah, which shocked me because that was like episode four. Yeah. Where I was like, so what I said, what I was like, yeah, uh, apparently Gandalf comes back to life. That was the thing I spoiled about Gandalf. And then I said, I'm also, I made a hypothesis. This wasn't even something that I knew at the time. I was like, I'm assuming that at one point or another, Frodo gets possessed by the ring or whatever. And that was my theory, which was correct. Yeah. But like, you know, I didn't necessarily, like, I can't, sorry that I spoiled something by being right. Yeah. I don't know. Accidentally being right? How dare you? Anyway, so give Tolkien about a five-star rating on iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. If you you enjoyed this podcast, it's that's what I'm talking about on iTunes. And if you did not enjoy this podcast, it's the Joe Rogan Experience on iTunes. Make sure to leave that. I picked a show that's not on iTunes anymore. Never mind. Who do I hate that does a podcast? Uh, Go blast Jack Shepard. Serial. (laughs) Yeah. Go blast Armchair Expert. Tell Adnan where to put it. What about the Nisha call? Um. Oh my God. What a what a time in our society when we were all entranced. God. Late 2014, early 2015, we were all entranced by a podcast. What an amazing time. Yeah. Okay. Ethan Edgehill, do you have any parting words for the audience? Um. No. Have fun with this. Enjoy these movies. They're they're a good time. What, listen to Mary Clay for the next three weeks. I'm making the next movie lovers podcast. Oh yeah, Shire. I'm terrible at this. Yeah, listeners. <laughs> There's one on, in two days as the crow flies as this comes out. Listeners. So yes, as I've mentioned before, I will be on bacon and eggs for the next three weeks. Woo! Get ready for that. Um, soon, bacon and eggs will join me in the 4.5 rating on Apple Podcasts. I don't think so. Because we're there talking about movies, baby. Movies. People love these movies. Yes, for the next three weeks, I will be on Bacon and Eggs. I'll be joining Ethan and Tyler each week as we talk about Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and Return of the King. I think we decided we're doing theatrical editions because we don't have four hours of our lives. I don't have time to watch them at all, let alone the four-hour versions. (laughs) So if you want to hear like overarching, more chaotic thoughts, I say that like this wasn't also chaotic. Yeah, but we don't go anyway, in order. Go listen to that. We don't go in order. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I tried. I tried desperately every time you or Tyler comes on <laughs> to be like, we're going through this chronologically. Hey, at least I can just talk about the movies this time instead of like being like, oh, the book. This totally wasn't better in the bo- in the movies. You had me off for the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is way more rad in the movie. <laughs> Four pages, four pages, and then an hour long in the movie. Okay, now, and then I'll just insert the part where where I saw. No, did I even say, you know what? And that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 